0: God says when the troubles come, he said fight. You can't fight, he said withstand. You can't withstand, he said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What, don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book and I, I love the Bible. doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book.
1: Yeah. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit, because our daddy did it fast for and our granddaddy did it like that, let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same, commit thou to faithful men.
0: Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist.
1: Hello and welcome, David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. We're continuing our series in Calvinism, and today is point number five. I have my son with me. Uh, Jonathan, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. A little bit, maybe congested, congested but uh, uh, don't feel bad or anything, so doing awesome. good. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, that's great. Great to have you again on this. This lesson is very different than I think any of the other ones. Um, when you hear people say they're a one-point or two-point Calvinist, this is definitely one that we, quote, if you, depending on how it's defined, that we could say we are that. Again, we don't say we're any Uh, We're zero-point Calvinists. We disagree with all of them because of the way it's taught, and you'll see that in here. But this is what many people would say, that, yes, we agree with that, and it depends, again, on how it's defined. So what you have in this, they call it two different things. So either the preservation of the saints or the perseverance of the saints. So let me do the preservation first, okay? Preservation that we are preserved, that we are saved, that we can't lose at. And Jonathan, we would agree with that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's, if, if you want to define, redefine perseverance to preservation, and we're on we're on board with that we believe that and that's I, where we defer from Arminianism too it is that we believe that once you have put your faith in Jesus Christ that uh, that he has locked you in that he is saved I mean uh, John uh ten twenty seven, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I mean, we believe in, if you want to define it like that, which in some of the stuff that we're listening to and reading, and it, depending on who you're listening to, uh, they'll define it as preservation of the saints, and that once you have accepted Christ, then you can't lose it, and, and we, we stand with that.
1: By the way, historically, many people they call Calvinist are Calvinist because of this point right here. So let me read to you what Arminianism, uh, they have five points of Arminianism, and um, what they say, human free will, we believe man has a human free will, conditional election um, that... Well, I won't go into all that. We're not here for that. The universal atonement, resistible grace. um, We can resist God's grace. And then the last one, fall from grace. The teaching that a person can fall from grace and lose his salvation. So many people, Baptists, saved, believe right, say, no, we can't lose our salvation. We're sealed under the day of redemption. We are born again. You can't be unborn. That can't happen. And so when you said, okay, I can't believe that, so I must be Calvinist. And some people are Calvinist because of this point right here because we don't believe that you can fall from grace. And we're going to get to that more later on the other side. So if we're talking about being preserved, the the preservation of the saints, once you're saved, you're preserved, you can't lose it, you're sealed, uh, your name's written in heaven, it can't be erased and all of that, Okay. So the problem is then when you get to the perseverance of the saints, okay, the perseverance of the saints when you get to that. And so there's two different definitions in there. Preservation the act of keeping, preserving, keeping us saved, keeping us from injury. Eternal preservation means you can't go to hell, okay? But the perseverance and that definition, that is totally different. That is where you are um living right, you're, you're, you're persevering to be able to live right and make it, and how they teach that. The perseverance definition, persistence in anything undertaken, continued pursuit uh, or prosecution in any business or enterprise. In theology, a continued state of grace to state of glory, sometimes called finer, final perseverance. And so, of the big things they say in perseverance is you're going, if you're saved, you're going to persevere. You're going to keep on going. Uh, you're going to endure to the end to be saved. And so if you are saved, then you are going to persevere. And their quote, and I'm going to get exactly right, but their quote they like to say is that if you fall away and come back, you never lost it because we're preserved. But if you fall away and don't come back, then you never had it. Okay? And we have a disagreement on that. Jonathan, I'm getting ready to go into the endure to be saved. I'm going to show where that is, where that's coming from. But any, any thought in, on the first in, in defining that and that perseverance? And again, the words are so close, we got to be very careful when we talk about it or I'll use the wrong word preservation we're we're preserved uh, it's the strawberry you know jam is preserved you're you're saved you're sealed you can't lose it perseverance you're having to live right to prove that you're saved or if you fall away to come back to prove that you're saved and that is something we have a strong disagreement with
2: right I, i've seen it's very dangerous too and and I think some people try to be careful, um, even on the the Calvinist side of it, Um, but what happens when you start to judge somebody else's salvation by what you see of them? At at what point did uh, everybody else look at David and go, wow, well, he must not be saved, and the decisions they make, they may make because of it. I I don't believe we're supposed to look at somebody else on the outside and question their salvation. As we know, God looks on the heart. That's the, that has, we have no uh, business to be in that because we can't see it. So all you can do is if somebody says that they believed, you take them at their word and if they fall into sin and they go a different direction, well, they profess salvation at, at one point. So all I can do is pray for them that that God works on their heart and and that they turn around. But if they don't, do I just believe that they, you know, went to hell? And I, I've listened to to different people and friends that I that I know and and they. They start to question, and they, they, especially when they're, somebody may be arguing and they're like, you're not living right, so you must not be saved. You need to get saved. Well, how is that beneficial? For, for them, they know in their heart that they've accepted Christ or rejected Christ. So rather than telling them that they're not saved when that's not the real issue, it's sin, then how is that beneficial? So it's... it's, it's it, to, to look at this from both sides, to clarify what they mean by it and kind of how they, they dance on both sides of it, uh, that they say one thing and then they kind of go back and forth on it. Um, we believe in, in preservation, but we don't believe that you have to keep doing some good work or stay out of certain sins, because that's interesting also. It's always, if it's a sin that's bigger than any of my sins, then you didn't persevere. Because we're okay with our sins, but it's like, oh, they've fallen away. Why? Because you've classified their sin to be greater than yours. Like that, that doesn't it doesn't really make sense. It's always you being a judge on something you can't be a judge on.
1: So, and that yeah. issue is such a big deal because when people say, okay, you can lose your salvation. At what point? What do you have to do? Oh, that's a big sin. Okay, like what? You know, mm-hmm. when Peter denied Christ which I know he didn't commit anything really bad like adultery, you know, he just denied Christ, which Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Whoa, that's bigger than adultery. But he didn't lose his salvation on that. But again, he was still saved. And so when you try to judge someone and say, there's no way that person can be saved. When I was in the world, people said, oh, there's no way he could be saved. Are you kidding? I was being spanked like crazy. Nobody could see it because so many times God spanks privately, okay? So people were judging, he's not saved, he's not saved. And again, that doesn't help. Uh, it's not right, it's not biblical. I knew I was saved, I knew I trusted Christ. I knew God was spanking me all the time. Um, but, it, but we look at that and say, okay, well he might not be saved because he's not living right. And it's a totally wrong understanding of that. So I want to go into the verses where, here's what it says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So many times, and we talk about this forever, false doctrine comes from not rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, we are to rightly divide the word of truth. When we don't, then you come up with false doctrine. So what is that talking about? Twice in the Bible, it says that he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. One in Matthew 24 and one in Mark 13. I encourage you to go read these. I'm going to read them here, but go and look at it. This is talking about the tribulation okay, this is during that seven-year tribulation period when somewhat two-thirds of the world's population is all going to be killed, and so... It's saying that if you endure to the end, okay, if you live physically to the end of the tribulation, you're physically going to be saved, okay? It's not talking about your eternal salvation. And so when you look at that, Matthew 23, and you shall hear, sorry, Matthew 24, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See the, see that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, okay? For nations rise against nation, earthquakes, diverse places, beginning of sorrows, afflicted, many be offended, false prophets shall rise, shall deceive many, because the iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved it is not saying to go to heaven we have to endure persevere to the end to be saved but that is what many people teach that if you did not endure to the end of your life faithful to God then you were never saved okay and that is so wrong and that's where they get it from and the context of that is literally talking about the tribulation now not to get into too much prophecy, but there's there's two criteria the people that are going to be in a human physical body in the millennium the thousand year millennial reign the two qualities were number one they lived until the end of the tribulation they didn't die in all of the um and all the seal judgments and all the thunder judgments and all the trumpet judgments and all the vile judgments and the three woes okay if they made it through all of that then there's a good chance they go into the millennial reign in a human physical body to marry and have children and live here on the earth when jesus is in charge the other thing they have to be a part of is a sheep nation, not a goat nation. The nations that were friends to Israel, as much as you've done it, when Elise sees my brother, have done it to me, enter into the joy of the Lord. They get to go into the millennial reign in a human physical body, which is amazing to be able to live on this earth in a human body when Jesus is on his throne in Jerusalem. What a great way to live. And so those two things have to happen for a physical human body on this earth to go into the uh, millennial. First, you physically have to live through it. And second, you have to be a part of the sheep nations. Then you get to go into this millennial rate. That's all it's talking about. By the way, Mark 13, I'm not going to take time to read that, but it says the same thing. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. Those are the two times that it says that. And so to say some people in ultra hyper dispensationalism say, oh, yeah, during the tribulation, you have to do works and endure to the end to be saved. No, that's not what it's talking about either. Humanly, physical, um, you have to (laughs) endure physically to the end to physically be saved. And that's where they get that.
2: And it, it, it says so clearly, uh, there, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. It doesn't have anything to do with you living right or, or any of that. It says they're going to kill you physically. So if you survive, basically, if you survive unto the end, the same shall be saved. It, 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 just read the verses before it.
1: Yeah, very simple. So that's really a big deal Um, And context, context, context. By the way, in Mark, right after it says, um, um, but he that shall endure to the end shall be saved, (laughs) verse 14, very next verse, but when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not. Okay, what's this talking about? And then it said to flee into the Judea and the mountains. This is during the middle of the tribulation when the Antichrist, Takes a female pig and offers it on the altar and places of the, the blood of the holy of holies that 's the abomination of desolation. We know exactly when that is that 's in the middle of the tribulation period that 's when that verse is talking about so if you 're going to use a verse, please make sure you use it in context with the time period in which it is. by the way, that's the only time those are found. Um, and so you need to know where that is and what it's talking about or you're going to get some totally crazy doctrine. And that's what happens so many times on this, okay? So, um so, we wanted to go into that. Then there's a couple other things, um, and my son and I were talking about this. It, it, it's very confusing. And, and I, I read a lot of the comments to people like, oh, this is so great. This is so wonderful. And it's like, does anybody have discernment to be able to listen to what is truly being said and to know where the context of it is? So, one time he talks about falling away from grace but it seems like, okay, he might be all right on it. And then the next time he actually says falling from grace. So I want to cover that um, because grace is undeserved favor. So if I can do something to lose the grace, then it's not undeserved favor, okay? Uh, it, it just makes no sense at all how somebody can fall from grace. Now, Arminians say exactly that. Yes, they believe you can fall from grace, um, Years ago, I was in uh, a car dealership, and there was a pastor there for a Church of God, and we we're talking about salvation, and we we're talking about eternal security. And I said, "Saved, sealed." He goes, "Well, what about falling from grace?" And um, I said, "Okay." I said, and it was a, a kind, friendly conversation. So I asked him, I said, "Honestly, I said, if you're a study of that for yourself, or just heard that preach." He said, I just heard it preached. I said, do you know where it's found out? And he goes, no. I said, okay. I said, let me share with you. So I took up my New Testament took him to Galatians. Okay. Galatians 5, 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. There it is. Take that phrase. You're fallen from grace. Yep. You can fall from grace. First, you have to understand who penned it. The apostle Paul. Who did they pin it to? Go back to Galatians 1, verse 2, who he wrote it to and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. This epistle was written to the churches of Galatia. So when it says ye have fallen from grace, the antecedent goes to Jonathan, help me out. Who is is it talking about that fell?
2: The church, the church that quit believing that it was by grace through faith.
1: Hello, ye have fallen from grace. Who? The churches fell from grace. The churches stopped teaching salvation by grace or faith, and we're now teaching salvation by the law and circumcision. Please do something for me. Galatians is a short book, beautiful book. Go read Galatians 1 to 5 and tell me if that's anything different. They were preaching. They were, were Judaizers. They were going back to the law saying you've got to keep the law and you have to be circumcised to be saved. And Paul says, Christ is become of no effect into you. You're not believing on Christ to save you. You're believing on your law and your circumcision to save you. Ye, churches, have fallen from teaching salvation by grace through faith. You're now teaching salvation by works in the circumcision. Oh... If anybody ever, if you ever hear anyone ever in their life say, oh, you can fall from grace, please just understand that is so wrong. By the way, that's only found one time in the Bible, and that's the context of it. Please go read that. Be the Bereans. Read that to yourself, and you'll go, huh, man, he's right. No, I'm not right. God's right. (laughs) The Bible's right. Ye are talking about the churches that stop teaching salvation by grace through faith. And again, if there's anything that I can do that can lose the grace, I can fall out of grace, then... It's not grace. It was works because grace is undeserved favor. When God saves us, he saves us in spite of us. He saves us with all our sin and none of my sin can send me to hell. Now, my sin on this earth can create all kinds of problems for me on this earth and the sowing and reaping and a loss of rewards in heaven and a loss of my joy. Gee, David never lost his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. And uh, we don't lose our salvation, but we can lose our rewards and works for that. So that is when it says' year fallen from grace that is simply very logical biblical what that 's talking about Jonathan, any thoughts on that
2: uh, it's just it's just interesting i mean we 're not anything special um, just read the Bible and and try to rightly divide it. I, I just look at these sometimes and I go, who was reading this who came across this and was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. That's the definition I'm going to run with. Did you not search it out? Did you, did you not really look into it? I, I, it just baffles me sometimes uh, that you didn't dig a little deeper. And and most of the time these are uh, preachers that, that fall into these things. It's, and I don't know if maybe they're trying to uh, meet a quota or, or trying to provoke people to do certain things in the church, and so they twist the Scripture, or maybe they meant it right and they just accidentally did it i don't know it's just
1: uh... i think I think it's so many times, like I just mentioned with Berea, Berea, they were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they search the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. And I don't think we do that. I think most of the time we hear what was taught and we take on and believe that without ever studying it for ourselves, just like that pastor. He was honest. He goes, no, I never studied that. I was talking right. to another pastor one day outdoor knocking and uh, he believed you had to be baptized to be saved. And he said, well, the Bible says he that believes that is baptized shall be saved. I said, Okay. He goes, what? I said, what does the rest of the verse say? He goes, I don't know. (laughs) I said, where's it found at? He goes, I don't know. I said, you're basing your salvation on a half of a verse you don't even know where it's at. I took him to Mark 1616 and showed him what it meant. And it it was totally opposite. Semicolon, but he that believeth not shall be damned. What damn somebody? Not being baptized, not believing. Anyway, explained all that to him. But I think that's what happens so many times. We do not go into the scriptures ourselves. We heard it, we take it, and we believe it without ever looking at that. And so the other big thing that had the problem, there are two more things for me. But one is the when you say, if you went away from us, then you were not of us. Okay? And that if you had persevered unto the end, all right, then you're really saved. Um, and so, so we, we use Peter. They use Peter. Okay. What if Peter had never come back? Could he have decided not to come back and serve God? Sure. Does that mean he wasn't saved? What about Mark? Mark quit the missionary journey and went off and did his own things. And Paul was upset about it. What if Mark had never come back? Did that mean he wasn't saved? Uh, Paul said later, bring John Mark. He's profitable for me for the ministry. What about Samson? Samson died taking his own life. He killed a bunch of the enemy when he did, but he knew he was bringing that building in upon himself. Samson was committing suicide at the same time, killing a bunch of people. So he died in that. Is he say, Well, Samson, uh, Hebrews eleven says he's one of the heroes of the faith. What about Lot? We have no record ever that Lot ever came back to God and did anything. Everything we see from Lot was wicked, evil, sin, selfish, sensual, drinking, all that stuff. There, but the Bible says his righteous soul. And so, where do we get that if you um, went away? and don't come back, then you're not saved. So here's a verse that they use in, um, in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that they were not of us. And so they use that, okay, if you don't come back, then you were never saved. Obviously, there are people that are in our churches or with us who never trusted Christ as our Savior. Um, there are so many people who have come to church and i talk to them, and do you know for sure you died to go to heaven? No, I don't. What do you think a person has to do to go to heaven? I don't know. Okay, you lead them to Christ. Or they're trusting in their works to say, yep, I live good. Talked to a guy this morning, and he was talking about his mom. said, well, you know, she, she prays and she believes in Jesus, but she doesn't know if she's done enough to get to go to heaven. <laughs> Uh-oh, not saved. We need to make sure she's saved and talk to them how to make sure that mom is saved. And so, um, and so we, look, we look at that, but then we use that to be able to say, if they didn't come back, then they were not saved. Um, where in the world? I have a verse totally against that in, the minute, in a minute. But how in the world, Jonathan, can we get that and say that dogmatically? And when and where does that start and stop?
2: Well, I think uh, it, all of this goes back to all the other um, podcasts we've done on this uh, so far, when you look at a verse, and, or when I look at the, uh, this verse versus when a Calvinist look at this verse, I believe that they see us as a certain group of people. They were among us, but they were not of us, and this us is this elect that was elected before the foundation of the world. And if you read it like that, then it was like, yeah, they just were never elected You know, if if they were really of us, they would have stayed with us because they were elected to be a part of us. And so I think the, the fault here when somebody reads this is they just read into what is the us. Well, I think simply the us is the people that believed correctly, right? Like we have a group. We are independent fundamental Baptists. Well, somebody that is Mormon or Jehovah Witness, they're not of us. Because they don't believe like us. And so when it says they went out from us, why did they go out? Because they didn't believe like them. They weren't really of them. They followed, they were there, and then they left because they didn't truly believe. But if you read into it and say, oh, that us is talking about the elect, I think that's where you you get off and you lose sight of of what it is. It's very simple. Some people, they'll go to church, they'll try it out. They'll kind of, oh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of, and then... But never truly believe or accept the payment of salvation for their sin, and those wouldn 't be saved and some maybe right. believe, but they didn 't they don 't want to keep trying to do what they 're supposed to do as a christian now that doesn 't mean that they 're not saved I think that 's a different category um, uh, when you were mentioning those other um, people such as uh samson and and um Peter and Mark, I thought of uh, Demas. Um, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And yeah. does that mean that he wasn't saved? It doesn't even say he has forsaken God. It said he has forsaken me, right? And, and because why? Because the flashy world, all that, got in the way and clouded his direction, and he has forsaken the work in the ministry but if you read it like a Calvinist would read it, then he's forsaken us. He was never saved. He was never really a part of us. No, the glamour of the world got in the way and he lost sight of the true purpose of what we're supposed to be doing. So he left the work. But there's a difference between leaving the work of Christ and, and leaving because you had never accepted Christ. So it, it's...
1: No, absolutely. By the way... I I'm wanted to. I've, I have twenty podcasts right now that I want to want to do in different topics, but um, we may do it as a part of this Calvinist thing because it's definitely something that that is we've woven in all of their teaching on you should know them by their fruits. And that the the seed. I want to go through the the parable of the sower, and I believe that's one of the most misunderstood passages. And we look at that and say, "This was not saved. This was not saved." And exactly opposite to be able to go through detail by detail and show which ones are saved and what happens and what the true fruit is, because we become fruit inspectors and we use our virtues to know them by their fruits. They don't look at the passage where it comes from, what it's talking about, and actually what is the fruit. It is so messed up in that because we don't understand that, so we're judging this does not say because they're fruit and they have no idea what that is so by the way Matthew 7 is where part of that is at one of the verses that was mentioned is Matthew seven twenty three in R.C. Sproul's um, lesson on this. He said, and then while I professed them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And he was using that to be able to say that people who went away from God and got into iniquity, you were never saved. You never trusted Jesus to save you. And so that's how we know if you're not persevering to the end, and you go back into iniquity, then you were never saved. And I was just shocked by that, to hear these, quote, great Bible scholars. When you look at the comments, that's what they say, um, and they have no idea <laughs> what that is. Two verses above it, okay? And when you're looking in, there's paragraph marks that w- with this thought together. Uh, Matthew 7, out. not everyone, That saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Other podcasts I've talked about that, very misunderstood. People fill in the blank for what they think is the will of the Father, okay? Jesus said the only ones that are going to go to heaven, not just saying Lord, Lord, but the ones that do the will of my Father. And what is that? Well, that's serving God. That's going to church. That's praying. That's reading the Bible. If you don't keep doing that, you're just saying, Lord, Lord is not going to get you to heaven. You have to endure. You have to persevere. You have to keep doing those. That's the will of the Father. That is what their idea of the will of the Father is. Show me a verse that said, that is the will of the Father. Well, what is? John six forty? This is the will of him that sent me. Oh, here it is, the will of him that sent me the Father, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him, they have everlasting life, and I'll raise them up in the last day. The will of the Father is to believe only on Jesus. Oh, yes, exactly. Next verse, okay? Many will say unto me, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Prophesying is to preach and proclaim the truth of God. these people said, wait, 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 we have preached and proclaimed. We prophesied in your name, not in their own name, in Jesus' name. That's really good. Awesome. And in thy name cast out devils. Wow, in Jesus' name they cast out devils. That's incredible. And in thy name done many wonderful works. By the way, he didn't call them a liar. They did all these things. They preached in his name. They cast out devils in his name and they did good works in his name. The next verse says, and then while I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What do you mean iniquity? <laughs> the way R.C. Sproul said that, oh, they got the world, they were drinking, carousing, and womanizing, and they, they were doing iniquity. Wait, wait, wait. They said they preached in his name, they cast out devils in his name, and they did many wonderful works in his name. What was iniquity? Here's iniquity. You never trusted me to save you. You were trusting your works to save you. That is iniquity. You thinking your works could save you? You thinking your deeds could get you to heaven? I never knew you. You never trusted me to save you. You were doing all these things for me to try to get yourself to heaven. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And that is iniquity. It's Cain and Abel. It's Cain is trying to bring his works. Look what I did. And Abel says, no, it's not me. It's the lamb and the bloodshed. It's exactly that. And so for him to use that verse and that, I am just floored because that's not what it's talking about at all. The people were doing preaching and casting out devils in his name and good works in his name. And he said that was iniquity because you were not trusting me to save you. And it's sad. I'm afraid there are so many Christians like that that are trying to work and earn their way to heaven. And they're doing great things, but they never trusted only Jesus to save us. Um, and for R.C. Sproul to use that verse in that context that these people, they were in iniquity. He's in, he didn't say, I knew you and, and and then lost you. He said, I never knew you. And uh, I, that's just a totally wrong use of scripture.
2: It's, it's interesting. Sometimes when I read a verse like that and I go, but what type of person could use jesus's name and understand the power that is there and cast out devils and do all these things and and not believe in only him what kind of person what kind of group could be like that well how about one of the biggest groups that probably we we know and see catholicism catholics how much uh uh, casting out devils and exorcisms and all this kind of stuff but they have all their sacraments they have all their things their baptism there that they have to do in order to be saved they use Jesus's name but they don't but denying the power thereof because they don't believe in him only to save them they believe in so many things that they're doing and so when you put that in and you put somebody into that context and you go oh now I see it now I see what type of person could fit in there because they say, I, but i I, I cast out devils in your name and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you never believed in only me. And, and so you can see quite a few different groups of people that may fit into that. that so many using their words, so many,
1: Absolutely. I've got one more verse uh, on mine, and then, Jonathan, anything else that you have. And I waited for the end for this because this, to me, is just so powerful and and so real. We believe in the preservation of the saints. We're preserved so much so, okay? Um, And so many people don't believe this, but it's here in the Bible. What happens if I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he saved me? at five years old or ten years old for me I was eight almost nine years old Jonathan how old were you I
2: I had just turned four uh, (laughs) because I was I was trying to get saved when I was three but I was too young at least that's what everybody thought no you're too young and uh, and so they're like well maybe we'll put it off until he's four and I remember it I remember realizing that I was a sinner and that I needed a savior and and it was it was Two days after my birthday uh, that I got saved, so I had just turned four, and it was right after 9-11, so I can only imagine all of the uh, sermons that were going on right then about (laughs) dying without Jesus, and I don't want to die without him, so I was four years old.
1: Wow. Awesome. So somebody got saved. They were sincere. They were real. They knew they were a sinner. They knew they were on the way to hell. They knew Jesus was God in the flesh, died, buried, and rose again to save them. And they trusted Jesus as their savior. When that happens, they're saved. They're sealed. Um, They're redeemed. Their names written in heaven, nothing can change. What happens if that person goes away from God into the world? And if he doesn't come back, they say he's not saved. No, he's saved. He meant it. He believed it. What happens, here we go, if he denies Christ? What if he says, I don't even believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus and I'm not a Christian. Oh, well, then obviously he wasn't saved. Here's a verse, 2 Timothy 2.13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Do you understand Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit of God is in us. That's what's sealed under the day of redemption. And by the way, can somebody get to the point where they don't believe anymore? By the way, check out John the Baptist, who the Bible says there's no greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. When he was with Herod in prison, uh, before he got his head cut off, and he's like, whoa, I don't think I should be going through all this, especially when Messiah's here and coming back, hey, my disciples, go check with Jesus and say, hey, is he really the one? Guess who doubted? Guess who didn't believe for a time in Jesus? John the Baptist. Was he saved? Sure he was because he believed and trusted Messiah to save him at one time. But now I wonder, is Jesus really the one? I don't think I should be going through all this. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. That's why this, this doctrine, even of of perseverance of the saints is so wrong because you're going to look at somebody and say, well, that guy's not saved. Obviously look at his life. He never came back to God when (laughs) the Bible says, if we even believe not, but we did believe, He cannot deny himself. That's how secure we are in God. Now, will they have rewards in heaven? No. Will they have crowns in heaven? No. Will they have a loss of rewards? Yes. Um, Will they be ashamed when they stand before Jesus and have to give an account of their life? Absolutely. But salvation is a gift by grace through faith in Jesus alone, without works. Um, Romans 4, blesses a man, uh, worketh not, okay? Um, his faith is kind of for righteousness when it's not our works at all. It's only Jesus to save us. So that verse is just like, what do we do with that? To judge somebody because they didn't come back the way we think they should have or when or how, that they were not saved. Um, I don't know how in the world with that verse someone could believe that and say that, and it's just totally, again, wrong doctrine.
2: Right, I, I think it. You don't build a, a doctrine based on, um, I, I don't know, logic or or or, or whatever, or just um, just the same as you don't argue uh, abortion based on. Well, what about that one person who has this, uh, whatever? But think about someone who who maybe had amnesia, right? Something happened to them, and they never got their their. Uh, memories back. That type of thing has happened. What if their life was completely different and they had gotten saved and then now amnesia and they don't believe in God or anything, that's just not who they are now. Are they not saved? I mean,
1: here's here's the biblical illustration, okay, and perfect illustration for right here. Uh, Jonathan is my son, and got seven of them. He's uh, number two son. He's my son. And uh, let's say he got to a point in his life, you know what? I don't think I'm yours. We're different. Uh, I don't even think I'm your son. Um, you're not my son. Uh, sorry, you're not my dad. I'm not your son. I changed my name. I want nothing to do with you, and I don't even believe that you're my dad. Guess what? Sorry, buddy, you can't change it. <laughs> um, you were born into my family. You are one of my sons, no matter what happened. If I don't want you to be my son, and if you don't want to be my son, tough. We were born, he was born into my family. Same way with God. That's a biblical illustration. We're born again. We're one of his children, okay? He can't deny us. <laughs> we could deny him, but it doesn't matter. Um, my oldest son is, is has my first name and last name. We have different middle names. Um, his middle name is after, his, after my grandfather. But uh, I use him as illustration. If he goes to the courthouse and changes his name, I'm not David Baker anymore. I'm not your son. <laughs> Sorry, kid. You're still my son. Changing your name doesn't change that. I don't even believe I'm your son. By the way, I've dealt with people like that. This, I don't believe he's my kid. Um, uh, if, if he was born into your family, um, he is still your family, whether you believe it or not. And um, I think that's a, a powerful point on this to understand we are preserved. We can't lose it. But you, there is no perseverance of the saints to prove that you're saved. There are people who could go away from God, come back to God. There are some people who go away from God and come back to God who never trusted Christ as their Savior, okay? Um, they never did. It is, did you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? If you did, then you're saved, sealed, and nothing can change that.
2: Go back to uh, Ancestry.com, change your name, whatever. But guess what? You put your blood into the system, Guess what's going to come back? It doesn't matter whether you didn't want to be a part of that family or not. It's in your DNA. And, and now that we are covered by his blood, Amen. the blood's there. Go back to the DNA. It's, you're not changing that.
1: We are re We are mm-hmm. regenerated. That's how born again we are. We have regeneration inside of us. And what a beautiful thing. So um, that's what I've got. Jonathan, any other thoughts on this?
2: I don't think so. As long as long as people can understand the, the differentiation between both sides, that understand there are people on, on both sides of this. And, and I think it's interesting, too. We're not just going through these and being against these because it's Calvinism and, and looking at it. Okay, is, is it true? Is it false? Is it, uh, well, okay, let's look at it. Actually, I agree with parts of what he's saying. And Okay, is, do I believe all of it? No, there's some things he says, he kind of goes off into, into this. And so you can see with, with us, we're not just putting a blanket over all of it. No, we don't believe it because it's Calvinism. But each person should do that too. We were talking about it earlier, how people just hear one thing and they go for the whole thing. Divide it all, look at it all piece by piece and see if it holds water. Uh, that's, that's what we did. And, and I think you can see that, that it doesn't hold
1: water. Amen. Sound doctrine, talk about it all the time. It has no holes in it, okay? If you can shoot holes in a doctrine, if you can say, well, what about, well, what about, what about, and it doesn't make sense, it's not sound. It's not sound doctrine. There are holes in it. Calvinism is not sound doctrine. Okay, there are hundreds, as we've shown, hundreds of holes in this. Okay, Um, it's not Bible. Now, like I said, we have a few other lessons we want to do. We're going to take some of what we did and turn it into a class to be able to uh, help some people where it can stand alone and people can go through this. There's a few more lessons we're going to have. We're going to talk about provisionalism. So there's Arminianism and Calvinism. And it used to be, are you Arminian? No, okay, I guess I'm Calvinist. Um, But there's now a a term that describes what we are. And we're going to go through that. I'll explain that uh, the parable of the uh, sower. I think that's a big deal. Understanding that by doctrinal words, there I think can help so much in sound doctrine with what we're dealing with here. So, we may deal with that on this also. So, if you got a question, let us know. If we miss something, let us know. If there's a verse that proves exactly um, what you believe on Calvinism and we did not cover it, feel free email it to us the fundamental Baptist podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll be glad to cover that. Okay, God bless you. Take care, and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to The Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.